this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. I've got to be honest, anyone watching online here in the room, the songs that stir my heart are the ones that speak to or of Jesus. They're the ones that get me every time something or someone I believe is the Holy Spirit within me because His purpose is to glorify Jesus. And we can't sing enough songs about or to Jesus because He's the hope of the world. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stay standing just for a moment. I, I don't know how you do a smooth segue between that and what I want to announce. Because what I want to announce is really good news. It's great news. But it's not as good news as Jesus seated on the throne. So we've got to keep this in, in the right, right context and the right tension. But it really is good news because it's about our vision offering. And it's about how much we've taken. But every single penny we want to use for honouring King Jesus. Amen. Whatever we do has to come back to that if it's a marquee that we're building out the back it's ultimately for the glory of Jesus our own tabernacle out the back we're going to have so rather than me announce it the guys have done a little 10 second countdown and you guys what you've got to do and you've got to do it online as well come on join in because you gave into this this is what we've done together we're going to count down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5 you know, you know the drill and when we get to the figure, you'll see it, that the right response is, wow, applause, praise to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Remember, our goal was 230,000. If we'd have taken 230,000 pounds, it would have been our largest single ever vision offering. We do this twice a year. So not long ago, we took a vision offering of about 180 somewhere around that 160 somewhere can't remember now but that was six months ago but this is our October one this is what we've taken our goal was 2.30 it goes to three things C3 Impact that's all our work into the wider community as a church C3 Multisite that's our expressions in different locations four of them and C3 Digital that's everything digital so the money that we've raised will go to those three projects so you ready? You had enough of listening to me? Online, you've got a countdown as well. So here we go. Put the countdown on, guys, and let's see what we've taken. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Woo! Yeah. 281,369. Isn't that amazing? That's you. But it's God. Thank you. There are some major gifts in there. Thank you for your generosity. There are some very small gifts in there, but they're from people who've been very generous. Thank you for your generosity. We can do an awful lot with 281,369,000 pounds. Now, we're keeping it open for a week. 
And our guess is, well, I know, some people have already come to me and said, can we still give? For another week, you can give. So, hey, who knows? It could even get to 300,000. Hello? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? When, when Rob Allen told us the figure, he contacted Angie and I, um, or we were sitting in a room rather with him, and he got it wrong to begin with. He said, we've taken 400, and, I, and before he could say any more, I said, 400? He said, oh no, sorry, I got that wrong, 200. So I didn't realize whether that was a prophetic declaration, who knows. But if you want to give, you can still give. Can we just pray and then, well, let me take one word out of there. Can we pray? And then we'll sit down and we'll take this week's offering. Father, thank you for the generosity of your people. In Bury St. Edmunds, in Colchester, online, in the room here. Thank you that we can use this for the glory of God. Help us, we pray. Give us wisdom. Those that have, that have oversight to this area, may we do it with the fear of God, knowing that it's not ours, we're stewards of what you have given to us that we can then give back in worship. Receive it as a sweet-smelling savour, we pray, and may it be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Tonight, we don't have our 5.30 service. Just let me mention that because we have light night here. And literally, there are, uh, I think, hundreds of children that are booked in across here, Colchester, and online. We're not doing it in Bury. So tonight, we have that. Right now, we still have opportunity to give to our regular offering. It's all for vision. Thank you for those that give consistently. Thank you for those who give on standing order. There's ways on the screen where you can give today, a QR code, online, text, or fill in a standing order form. If you want to give cash or set up a standing order form, just raise your hand right now, and one of the Connect team who are standing... We have a round of applause for the Connect team. What a great team. They will get an envelope into your hand, particularly if you want to do gift aid, just raise your hand. These guys are walking to the front. They will give you that, and then you can give it to someone as you leave today. Thank you for your generosity. On the 8th and 9th of November, we have another discovery track. If you are not part of the church or you want to know more about our vision and values, how you can get involved, then discovery track is ideal. You can sign up online. You can go to our next steps room at the front of the building at the end. Say, how can I come along? to the Discovery Track on 8th and 9th of November. Just two sessions that are about an hour and a half, maybe eight, over the evening. 1.15, I'm being told on the front row. 1.15, so you can sign up for that today. We'd love you to do that. We're not just trying to gather a crowd, we're trying to make disciples. And that means we get involved together. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to introduce our speaker. As I do that, any youth in the room, there's a youth program that's going to go on for you. You're following this guy here in the room, Dylan Bonetti. Follow Dylan and the youth. You'll have a great program that's set up for you outside. I just want to mention before I introduce our speaker, this, this book, The Bible, A Story That Makes Sense of Life. Honest, revealing insight into the best-selling book of all time, says Bear Grylls. Honestly, I, when I recommend books, and I know I recommend far too many books, and someone's asked me, could I get it down to 10? That's really difficult. Um, 
But when I recommend books, I usually give a disclaimer. I usually say, I, I agree with 85, maybe 90% of this book, because I can't find many books I totally agree with. This time, I'm pleased to say 100%. What Andrew Ollerton has done in writing this book is make the Bible, I don't want to say the word simple, because that can sound too to dumbing it down. He hasn't dumbed it down at all, but he's made it super accessible. And so if I was to recommend a book, because it's the kind of book you're not just going to read once, you're going to have it there and go back to it in order to research what you've read and what you think, and it'll help shape your thinking. Honestly, we try to do series every now and again like this, but resources are not that great out there to do it. This is a gift to us to be able to do. This leads us up to Christmas. You need to buy the book. I haven't got any, any vested interest in that. It will really help you. We have some for sale that are here. Um, not, not too many, because we want to keep some for the other service, and we've sent some to Berry and Colchester. And if you're online, there's a link that will come up. And in the email we sent out a few weeks ago, you can find the, in the email there the link to buying this book. It's great small group material as well. It's been done by the Bible Society, who I can say do everything well. Everything I've seen of them, they do so well. So we'll be doing that in our C3 groups. Again, you can connect into that. It's just great to have the author of this book in the room with us, Andrew Ollerton. Uh, he's been a friend of ours of C3 here. We've had him in before. We will get him in again if he will come. I can assure you of that. And this will help us in our understanding of the Scriptures and Andrew is a superb teacher of the word. He's been a pastor, he's an author, he's an academic, and he is someone we are pleased to have here with us. You're gonna see a little uh, bumper that introduces this series, as we call it, a video, and then a three-minute story about the Bible, and on the back of that, Andrew will come, and I want you to give him a great round of applause when he does. But for now, watch this. The Bible is the most read, loved, and burned book of all time. It's still the world's bestseller, open for anyone to explore. Think of it this way. You're a rancher with a huge piece of land, but instead of fencing it off, you dig wells so all your animals gather round life-giving watering holes. The Bible is not a private book for religious people. It's a divine watering hole, open to everyone, a limitless source of guidance and hope. So how should we imagine the Bible when we open it up or turn it on? Well, firstly, it's a collection of literature. Inside the cover are dozens of books and styles, history, parables, poetry, wisdom, and some pretty bizarre visions. Think of it like a library, organized into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament, with so many subjects to explore. The impact of this literature on our culture is immense. Novels, art, music, 
sports and politics have been inspired by the Bible. And yet the Bible doesn't reveal itself to IQ, but to those searching for answers. It's hunger and faith that counts. So the Bible is world-shaping literature. Secondly, it forms one big story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. It starts with the whole cosmos in mind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it ends with our world restored to the way it was always supposed to be. It's not a dusty old book. This is our story. The Bible has a center of gravity. It's Jesus Christ. He's the hero, the Messiah, who fulfills Israel's calling and opens up the story to all humanity. We struggle to fix our own problems, let alone society and the environment. But Jesus Christ is the divine author who entered our world to turn it round. So the whole Bible points to Jesus. It's literature, it's story, and finally, it's revelation. Mysterious things happen when people engage with the Bible. Unlike other books, this one reads us when we read it. From the pages of scripture, a living voice speaks, then calls to us. As the Bible puts it, all scripture is inspired by God. Now, God didn't write the Bible. He inspired human authors to do that. So it's full of their personalities, history, and culture. But it's ultimately a message from God. Through it, God reveals himself and communicates with us. Now, you may not be convinced, but why not try it on for size? Give the Bible a go and see what happens. At the very least, you will have read the world's bestseller. And who knows, you may discover more than you bargained for. Thank you. Thank you, C3. And uh, it's great to be with you, those of us in the room, and also those of you joining online and uh, in your prison cells, wherever you're watching this. It's great to be uh, bringing this message to you on the story of the Bible, which is something uh, close to my heart. I love it. Uh, in fact, a few weeks ago, uh, months ago now actually, uh, our car broke down and uh, I was um, called out the car mechanic and he um, gave me a lift or the, the breakdown recovery, gave me a lift back home. And on, uh, en route, he asked me what I do for a living. And uh, I tried to be a bit sort of cryptic about it, probably regretfully, and I said, well, I research and present the world's bestseller. At which point, I spent the next five minutes trying to clarify with him that I didn't work for J.K. Rowling, uh, and I was nothing to do with Fifty Shades of Grey either. <laughs> uh, but in fact, that the Bible is the world's best-selling book. At which point, this car mechanic, pretty rough, tough guy, just uh, actually admitted rather coyly that he had tried reading the Bible recently. And the reason is because his younger brother is inside, doing some time inside in prison. And inside his prison cell, his younger brother had picked up a Bible and begun to read it. And as he did that, it turned his life in a whole new direction. So here's the car mechanic reading the Bible, struggling to make sense of the Bible. He was honest with me. He, he tried reading it, couldn't make any sense of it. Uh, but at the end of our journey, or towards the end, he asked this question. He said, so, well, so what is the Bible then? <laughs> And uh, fortunately, uh, I've had about um, 40 years to prepare an answer to that question now. <laughs> and that's the question I want to address with all of us today. So what is the Bible? But I want to address that question in a way that makes sense for car mechanics 
and people in their prison cells and people in their bedrooms and people, ordinary people like us. What is the Bible and is it still relevant to life today? Does that sound okay? Well, that's what we're doing, whether you like it or not. We're going to do that. And uh, as you've just seen in that video that we put together, I like to think of the Bible in three categories. It's literature, the world's best-selling book, it's story, our human story, and it's divine revelation, a message from God. So I'm going to talk through each of those. My goal is to inspire you by reimagining the Bible, almost for a moment, just just for a moment, whether you're religious or not, whether you're a Christian yet or not, just suspend your preconceived ideas about what the Bible is, just pull back from your experience of how you've had it taught, or, and just think, well, when a human being takes this in their hands, either opens a hard copy or turns on a digital version, what, what do you do, by the way? Do you open it up or do you turn it on? Bit of both, all right, yeah, yeah. hybrid, hybrid Bible users. <laughs> Uh, anyway, whether you turn it on or open it up, what is it that we hold in our hands when a human being takes the Bible? Well, first up, as I've said, you're holding the world's bestseller. It is most obviously literature. The word Bible actually comes from a Greek word, biblia, which means books. It's a very ordinary term for the things that we have many of on our bookshelves or on our Kindle, however you read. Uh, equally, the word scripture comes from a Greek word graphia, which means writings. These are actually very practical terms, but the claim when you have on the front cover Holy Bible, the word holy means completely set apart, other, different. So holy means this book, Bible, that just means book, is completely different to others. Now we'll come on to theological reasons for believing that, but one reason for putting Holy Bible on the front is because this is a completely different category when it comes to sales and distribution. If you're familiar with Hunger Games, it in book form has sold around 50 million copies. If you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, around 150 million copies, we estimate. When it comes to the Bible, over 4 billion copies have been sold or distributed globally. Isn't that incredible? Four billion. I mean, that is off the charts every time it is the world's bestseller. So even just for that reason alone, even if you're not religious, surely you want to add that to your bucket list of things that you would like to read or listen to before you die. <laughs> just to be able to say, well, I did actually manage to get round to the thing that has dominated world history as literature uh, ever since it was put together. So on the one hand, it is literature best-selling literature, but it's also ancient literature. When you open up the Bible, turn to the contents page, you find that it's not so much one book. In fact, Biblia is plural. It means books. It's many books housed within one cover. So you might think of the Bible as an ancient library uh, of writings. And uh, you can see on the screen here a pie chart that divides up the Bible into the various categories that, uh, and give some rough percentages. I hasten to add, this is in the book that I've written and, and it's not entirely accurate. It's as close as I could get to what are the percentages. And you can see a huge percentage is narrative, that is story. Uh, but there's also poetry, there's wisdom, there's letters, there's gospels, there's prophets. The Bible is a diverse collection of writings, uh, probably more diverse than we realize. When people open the Bible, they often imagine that they're going to find just a list of rules, a, a moral highway code. Well, it's far more interesting than that. In the Bible, we find a diverse collection of ancient writings. And when I say the word ancient, that's a little hint that when we read the Bible, 
without needing to be scholars or academics, this really isn't where this is going, but without needing any of that, we do also need to pay attention to the fact that it was written to a different cultural context than ours. So I often, like, I mean, any other fans of Back to the Future, I love that film, if you're a bit older uh, than younger. Back to the Future, great film, but also a great title. I often think when you read the Bible, think Back to the Future, you have to go back and think, what did this mean in its original context, before you can then bring its message forwards to the future and say, so what does this mean for us moving forwards, you know, as human beings, Back to the Future, right? It's, it's not complicated, but a little bit of adjustment can really help. And if you've ever read the Bible for yourself, or perhaps even we've got three children, if you've ever read the Bible with children, it's often children that expose the things that actually just, you know, children just say it as it is, don't they? And my wife and I, we like to read the Bible with our kids, kind of warts and all, you know, the, the, the nice stories and the not so nice bits. And they, our kids, you know, well, why can't we sacrifice animals today? <laughs> and how many concubines do you have, Dad? <laughs> The answer is none, uh, by the way, just, just in case this is being recorded. But, uh, and, you know, why, how come Jesus gets the spit in people's faces and we don't? But, you know, all those kinds of questions are sort of children's uh, questions that, that raise the fact that this is not from our cultural context. So we have to just be attentive and give time to thinking. So how do we understand the text within its ancient context so that we rightly interpret the scriptures? But here, here's the thing. When, when I say all of that, it's absolutely true, and I work hard at that, but that, doesn't, that it should not put any of you off. The Bible, as I said in that video, it does not reveal itself to IQ, but to appetite. You know, there's nothing particularly complicated about the Bible, generally speaking. If you want it, you can have it. Wherever you're at in your educational stage and journey, however much you've made it in life or you feel you've failed in life, if you want to understand the Bible, you can have it. It's, it's an open book for you. It's on offer. It's there. And I say this, as I say it, thinking of someone like Danny, who was a friend. Uh, I became friends with Danny because we used to live in Cornwall, and he moved down to Cornwall to get away from gang culture in London. He'd become a crack cocaine addict and he was running away from the craziness and ended up in a rehab center near where we were leading a church. And he came along one Sunday, unbeknownst to me, because he couldn't bring himself to come in. He sat outside and then went home because he, he said, I was frightened that I would burst into flames if I went through the doorway. You know, he just didn't feel he had any place in a church. So he went home, but the Gideons had left a Bible in the accommodation that he was being housed in. And so he started reading the Bible. Now, Danny, by his own confession, had never read a book in his life. The only thing he'd ever read was a comic. And Danny, um, I then later caught up with him. Honestly, the way the Bible opened itself to him, it was extraordinary. I learned as much from Danny as he ever learned from me because the Holy Spirit came to live in Danny's heart as he opened his life to God. As he reached out for help, God came in. And when the author is your roommate, that's a pretty helpful advantage to reading the book, right? And so the Holy Spirit opened Danny's mind, and he was, he's a continual reminder to me, the Bible doesn't open itself to IQ. It opens itself to those who have an appetite, who will reach out for help and say, God, I want some truth and sense in my life. And God would say, well, I'll show you. So the Bible is world-shaping literature. It's beautiful, and it's powerful, and it's open to all of us. Secondly, though, it's an ancient collection of literature. Secondly, the Bible is not just a, a sort of anthology of great writings. It's structured to form one large narrative or story. And so my second point is the Bible is not only best-selling literature, it's also our human story. Our human story from the beginning 
our origins in Genesis, right through to the end, our future hope in Revelation. The Bible is narrating a large story, which is our human story. Notice the way I phrase that. It's not our Christian story. This series, as we go through the Bible, isn't really asking Christian questions. It's asking human questions. Every one of the next six sessions, as we unpack origins next week, and then Exodus and exile, they are all tagged. These major episodes in the Bible are all tagged to our profound human needs and desires. So when we look at origins next week, we're going to discover where have we come from, ultimately. And that is crucial to asking who are we and why are we here? In other words, what's the meaning of life? Have you seen the program, you know, who do you think you are? (laughs) Well, how do they answer that question? By tracing their DNA ancestry. Because until you know where you've come from, you won't really know who you are or why you're here. This is how the Bible works. It's it's Russian dolls, you know, because then in the Exodus story, week after next you know then in the exodus story we'll focus in on israel and their journey from slavery in egypt to feeling trapped and oppressed in egypt through to freedom and the promised land but it's russian dolls because inside their story is our story we also can feel trapped can't we by anxieties and fears and debt and addictions and guilt and shame and how do we get out of feeling trapped in life well In the Exodus story, we're going to discover how we can experience Exodus through Jesus Christ. Then we'll see Israel in exile, the dark moment where suffering hits. Again, it's Russian dolls. Don't you often have those moments where you think, you know, why is this happening? And where is God in this pandemic? Or where is God in this bereavement? Or where is God in this unemployment? Or whatever it is that you're facing, Israel will echo that kind of question and help us find peace in the storms. Then we'll look at the Messiah, the way that Jesus Christ, who is the center of gravity for the entire Bible story. All of the Bible forms a a story that has cohesion around the person of Jesus Christ. It's when we understand that the Bible leads up to him. The Old Testament looks forward to him. The New Testament looks back to the Old Testament to make sense of it in the light of him. It's Jesus who not only fulfills the Bible story, but it's Jesus Christ who can fulfill our story as well. And then we'll see, well, this is really exciting, but we'll, we'll see in, in, in the spirit that uh, I love this little visual. This is the front cover visual that uh, an illustrator did for the book that I wrote. And you can see there the, the, the modern day person after the day of Pentecost and getting a message on their phone, you are here. <laughs> and I love that idea. We're in this story. That's one of the reasons the Bible comes alive is when you realize this isn't just dusty old antiquity. This is our story. Now we have a part to play. Now we have a mission. Now we have to gather because we have to come together to be equipped and inspired to go and live out the mission of God in the world. We're in this story now with a calling and a destiny. And then ultimately in the final part, we look forwards. Isn't that an amazing thing about the Bible? Even though it's a closed book, we're not still writing the Bible. It's an open story. (laughs) We're in it. And the final chapter of the story has already been told before it happens. Now, doesn't that give you confidence? If you know how the whole thing's going to finish up, you know, if you've got a a beautiful full stop at the end of the sentence, it almost, no matter how difficult the sentence may read, the sense of the full stop, the sense of the ultimate hope that we have brings a resource that we, we can get, draw strength from to face every challenge of life. So those are the six parts. That's where we're going. And that's why I believe the Bible is still relevant today. We need this story. In the midst of the chaos and uncertainties of life, 
We need something that we can attach the small, fragile story that is Andrew Ollerton. With all of my sins and frailties and vulnerabilities and anxieties, I need to attach this small, little story to some certain, solid, robust, hopeful story. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're going to see how our lives can be tethered to God's story and find their meaning and hope as a result. Now, one of the things that, therefore, when we think of framing the Bible story is we need to understand it as a universal story. That is to say, it's not just, as I said earlier, a religious book for those who are interested in history. It is a a story of human beings centered on Jesus Christ. But don't imagine the Bible. Here's how I think so often in a secular culture we are encouraged almost to imagine the, the relationship of the Bible to the world around us. We think the world around us is where all of the action's happening, and the Bible's kind of over here, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's on the side. If you want to pick it up and read it, if it's for you, that's fine, but it's really nothing to do with politics or sports or work or family or whatever else is going on. Listen, I really want to encourage you through this series, think again. Think again about the relationship of the Bible to the world around us. You know, I actually think it's much different to that. This story in here narrates the true human story. In the beginning, how does it begin? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You couldn't get a more all-encompassing line than that, could you? You If you wanted to write a story and say, and this is for everyone, and everything that's going to happen is going to find its meaning within the umbrella of this story, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not just a Christian book. You can disagree with it, absolutely, but don't reduce it to anything less than a complete narrative of human history. You know, politics happens within, underneath the umbrella of this story, including COP26 in Glasgow. It's happening within the narrative of Scripture because God created the environment and entrusted it to human beings to be stewards of it, and that's what Glasgow will be trying to thrash out, right? That happens within the narrative. It's not that the Bible's over here and that's it. No, no, it's underneath. It's within that, you know, sports, the Premier League happens within that narrative. Films and entertainment, the latest James Bond film. I mean, come on. (laughs) A story of a world falling apart and then someone giving their life to save it at the end. You know, where's that come from? That's not just James Bond, right? That narrative has loaned its plot line from another narrative. What J.R. Uh, Tolkien called the archetypal story. All true narratives, all true hope finds its derivative meaning and origins from this story. Everything, this is the full story of the world. It's the one place where human beings can make sense of where we've come from, where we're heading, and why we're here. To, to reinforce this point, I want to quote uh, one of England's great theologians, uh, Lee Mack. Have you ever um, thought of Lee Mack as a great theologian? Uh, a great comedian, perhaps. But Lee Mack was on um, Desert Island Discs. And um, you know on Desert Island Discs, you're given the Bible and Shakespeare as standard, right? And um, Lee Mack said this, interestingly, in response to being given the Bible. He says, I would take the Bible, he said, and I'd read it. Imagine if aliens landed and asked, so what's earth? You know, what's human life all about? And I'd say, well, there's this book (laughs) that purports to give the answers. And they'd ask, so what does it say? I don't know, I haven't read it. (laughs) Isn't that crazy, he goes on to say. Well, I hope one day that Lee Mack does get around to reading the Bible. But here's the thing, I actually really appreciated his theology of the Bible. Because at least he understands what it's trying to do. 
If aliens landed on this planet and said, what's the entire thing about? Well, this would be a pretty good book to give to them because that's its claim. It's a claim on every human being, on every culture and continent. This makes sense of who we are and where we're headed. The Bible then is best-selling literature. It's our human story. And then finally, the Bible is divine revelation. The Bible is divine revelation, an inspired message from God. An inspired message from God. Now, of course, as we've noted already in that video, it's not that God wrote the Bible. He didn't write any of it. Human authors wrote the Bible. But what's being said here is that they were inspired by God to write the text that they did. And God oversaw the process by which those texts were collated so that the Bible that we have is the one that God wanted us to have. And, and that may, that's not a simple thing to say, because if you've ever read the Bible, it's perhaps not the one that you wanted us to have, or I wanted us to have. Because there's bits in it that, frankly, if I had the choice, I probably would choose weren't in it. Have you ever had that experience when you're reading the Bible? Let's not pretend that it's all simple and cozy and domesticated. This book is complex, right? Challenging, knotty, controversial, it's all those things. But I don't believe in the Bible because I like it. I mean, you better have a better reason for believing something than just that you like it. Do you know what I mean? That's a pretty poor basis for faith, right? Oh, well, it's convenient. It says all the things I'd like it to say. Well, it's highly unlikely that if there is an almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, he agrees, he agrees entirely with Andrew Ollerton. <laughs> I mean, what are the chances of that, right? If you knew Andrew Ollerton, you'd say pretty low. No, no, of course, this is going to be a confrontation. This is going to be a wrestle. But in the end, having spent years reading this, grappling with it, fighting it at times, I've come to the conclusion that I agree with that famous verse in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all of Scripture, all the writings here, all Scripture is God-breathed, or all Scripture is inspired by God. Not just that it's inspiring, <laughs> it is, but that's not the scale of the claim. No, no, all Scripture is inspired by God. That is to say that when those human authors were writing down what they wrote, God was breathing through their minds his ideas, his truth, so that what they wrote, whilst they were free agents as they wrote it, nevertheless, God superintended that process so that what they wrote was his word, inspired ultimately, originally from him. Just as my breath is bringing my inner thoughts through my words into your ear canal right now so that you can hear them. My breath is the vehicle of communication. So this is God-breathed. It is the vehicle through which God communicates with us. Now, if that's true, amongst many things we could say about the Bible, it gives it authority. Have you ever noticed the, the etymological, the word connection between author and authority? You see, how, who wrote something or who inspired something is incredibly relevant to how much authority we give it in our lives, right? So how you understand the Bible will be in direct relationship to how you respond to it, how we understand it. What we think it is will determine how we respond to it. Well, in the end, you have a choice to make on this one. Do you believe the Bible is human ideas, some of them really beautiful and profound, but nevertheless human ideas about God, or do you believe that ultimately, whilst humans wrote it and thought it, nevertheless God inspired it such that what we have in Scripture 
Well, how do the Anglicans do it? I appreciate this isn't perhaps C3, but have you ever been to an Anglican church after the Bible is read? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And it's an amazing statement, isn't it, after the reading of Scripture, that what we've heard on the pages of Scripture is God speaking to us. Now that gives it authority. It gives it far more authority in my life than firstly myself, (laughs) because I don't really know what I'm doing. And I can't, at times I don't even understand myself, let alone the world. So I need a higher authority than just myself if I'm to make sense of life. But it also gives it more authority than the culture and the voices around us. However compelling and multimedia and however much those voices may have gained a consensus of opinion, the fact is truth is not a vote. Truth is not a consensus or even an opinion. Truth ultimately, I believe, is what God reveals as our maker and our redeemer. And so I wish to find in the scriptures, not just an academic text or some dusty history, I wish to find a guide for life, the basic principles through which I will, almost as a compass, imagine it as a compass from which I can set my bearings and decide how I will live. As I say that, I love the great outdoors, I love mountain climbing, and I remember one uh, rather embarrassing occasion where we were high up in the mist, and we took a compass bearing in the, in the old days before you could just sort it all out on your phone. <laughs> we actually had a physical compass, and we took a compass bearing, we looked up from the map, and we looked up to point in the direction. You, the idea of a compass bearing is you take it from the map, and then that sets your course, and you pick a point, and you walk to it. So we picked a point, I saw a patch of snow, and I thought, right, we'll walk, it was roughly in the right direction, we'll walk to that patch of snow. And as we were walking halfway towards it, the patch of snow got up and walked off. And it it was a sheep, not a patch of snow. (laughs) And I realized that wasn't a very reliable basis for a compass bearing, right? I don't think the sheep knew where it was going, let alone be a reliable guide for me. But I do think sometimes in the culture in which we live, to take your bearings from the, the world around us is like a moving target. It's all over the place. I urge you to take your bearings from the rock, from the truth of God's word. Jesus Christ himself said that there are two ways to live ultimately. There's the wise builder and the foolish builder. And it's nothing to do with IQ. It's nothing to do with the status of your CV. It's nothing to do with how much you've got right or wrong morally in your life. It's to do with this. The wise builder bases their life and does the things that Jesus Christ and the Holy Scriptures that bear witness to him command. So the wise builder builds a foundation that is rock solid on the word of God, and even when the storms come, because it doesn't matter how much you read your Bible, the storms will come. But even when the storms come, there is something rock solid beneath you. You have terra firma beneath your life that you are building on. The foolish builder chooses the much seemingly quicker, more attractive, more popular route, building quickly on sand. But when the storms come, it gives way. I really felt as I was praying today, for those of you watching online, for those of us in the room, I felt like I wanted to say at the end, almost a slight sort of twist to this whole message, that it's not, this message isn't really a message about the Bible. It's a message about you and me. It's a message ultimately not really about the Bible, it's about How will we live our lives? Before us lie two ways, ultimately. We can follow the way of culture and peer pressure and ourself and the desires we have within our bodily desires and minds. We can follow those things or we can follow God's word and we can build our lives on the truth of scripture. And I felt today as we respond to this message, 
as we hold up this incredible body of world-shaping, best-selling literature, this true human story from the beginning and origins of time right through to eternity, and as we hold up this divine revelation, this message from God, it invites us to a moment of decision. You may feel, I don't know much, I don't know enough, that's okay. It's not about what you know, <laughs> it's who you know, ultimately. Do you know Jesus Christ? And will you declare over your life, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to follow the truth of your word. I want to be a wise builder that builds myself and my family upon the truth of your word. And it may be today that one or two of you just want to respond and say, that's my decision. It hasn't been the way I've been living but I want it to be from today onwards. I'd like to just pray over you as the band then lead us in a, in a song. Maybe um, if you have a physical copy of the Bible or maybe a digital, just your mobile phone, if you just want to take that, if you've got one, and if you just say, actually, today I want to declare over my life, as we go into this Bible series, I want to declare over my family, I'm making a fresh commitment to live my life out of God's word. Maybe you just want to hold it up over yourself as I pray right now. Just hold up your digital version or your hard copy and just lift it up over yourself and your family. Lift it up as a, a symbol of a way of living. Not just a talk on the Bible, but a way of living. Lift it up now and I'd love to pray over you. Thank you for those of you who are. Just close your eyes. Those of you watching online in your homes, in prison cells, wherever you are, lift up. There's a copy of the Gideons there maybe. You've got one to hand. Why don't you take it out and just pick it up and think, I'm going to give this a try. Heavenly Father, I pray over everyone who's lifting up your word, however fragile and feeble we feel our hold of it is, thank you that it's your truth and it gets a hold of us much more than we ever get a hold of it. Uh, of it. Your word takes hold of us. And so I pray now, Lord, for those who've taken hold of your word, would you take hold of them? Would you draw them to the right passages to read? And would you give them the inspiration of your Holy Spirit as they read it? In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.
you've never asked Jesus Christ to be leader and Lord of your life, if you've never said, I'm going to follow you, the one, the book that Andrew has spoken about is all about, then you can do that today. I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of devotion to Jesus. And at the end, if you're in the room and you prayed that prayer first time or reconnected, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And then as you go out, we'd love to give you a Bible. Go to our first steps stand. Or if you're online, if you give us your details, we make sure if you say yes to Jesus, just write yes. We'll make sure you get a Bible. Give us your address. Give us your contact details so as we can send that to you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Say this after me. Lord Jesus, today I submit my life to you. Thank you that I'm part of the story. The story of redemption. Thank you that you gave your life for me. Forgive me for self-centered living. Today, I choose you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. The heads bowed, eyes closed still. Anybody in the room here or online, just write yes. But in the room, just raise your hand and say yes today. I prayed that prayer first time or recommitting my life to Jesus. We just raise your hand clearly so we can see you. Anybody saying yes to Jesus. the room here. Write yes in the chat box there on Facebook or on YouTube. Say yes to Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Let me just finish with this then as, as we go. For some of you, you might be getting into the Bible for the first time. You want to know where to start. Well, two things I'd say. We would love to give you a Bible. Go to the next step, stand there, ask them, or they in room one, they'll give you a Bible. Just, just take it. The, the actual first book in that book there that, that we give you is a New Testament. So read that. That's a good place to start. Take it for free. The second thing I'd say is buy this book, the Bible. You'll really find it a story that makes sense of life you really find it helpful to make sense of it. Next week, we have Elspeth Darley, who's back after maternity leave, uh, coming and preaching on origins. And so you will love that. And I know that this series, I think already for me, you feel this. You want to read the Bible more, don't you? Come on. I want to get back. I want to read more. Those of you online, you want to read more. The gift that Andrew is to the church puts that in us, a desire to want to know more, to read God's Word. I used to say as a child, every week we used to say, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy Word, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We say it in every service. I'm not sure you should pledge allegiance to the Bible, by the way. I think you should pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. But that's what we used to say every week, because the Word of God is so central to life and all we do. So let's give a round of applause to Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for the clarity. We're going to sing one more song, but at the end there'll be a prayer team here. 
Any of you want prayer, come and get prayer. Come and have someone stand next to you and buy you for prayer. If you want to know more, how to get more involved in C3, go to the next steps room, room one there, and you get a free coffee, a free Bible if you want it, and we'll talk some more with you. God bless you. Have a great week. Let's finish with a song of celebration. Come on, church. Let's raise our voices. Let's celebrate. Let's kick off our week with some praise and worship to Jesus. Sounds like we pray.